0: All
1: I can do is put my
0: part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough.
1: Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful.
0: Hello and welcome back to Artfully Told. My name is Lindsay and I am so excited to have as my guest today... Alden Miller. He is the founder, owner, and filmmaker extraordinaire behind Alchemy Film Company. And thank you, Alden, so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Well, I would love to hear a little bit more about you, sort of how you got started, and maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. So, Alden, in a nutshell... I live here in Kansas City now, but I spent most of my time, I lived in Wisconsin, and that's where I grew up. I, you know, went to school for film, and eventually after that, I had some internships in LA, so I did that for about a year or so. Life brought me back to the Midwest, and so I, you know, came back here, ended up getting a job for PBS, and yeah, I was there for about 10 years, and I said, see you guys, I can do this on my own. And I left them to go do my own documentary type work.
0: That's very cool. And so what made you start to get interested in filmmaking in the first place? What prompted that?
1: So, well, definitely, well, kind of, you know, I'm aging myself with this story. But so I went to the theater when I was a senior, senior in high school, I think. Ended up going to see a movie in in the theater. Ended up seeing it like seven times in the theater, which wasn't that common to do. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's still common to do it at all, but I ended up seeing it a bunch of times just because it kind of blew my mind of what, how it was presented. And so, I mean, the movie was Pulp Fiction. And so as a teenage boy, of course, you know, I love the guns and the violence and all that stuff, but the non-linear storytelling was the thing that kind of blew my mind. And so then I was like, oh my God, like you can do that. And so I yeah. really like that, you know, future, I find out that he stole that from, Japanese storytelling, and they did it all the time, but that was very cool. And so that did that. I kind of switched gears completely because I was a complete science nerd, and I just decided to do that. I was still going to school, kind of doing the science thing, but halfway through freshman year of college, I just said, yep, you know what, I'm just going to go do movie stuff.
0: Wow. So some of these internships that you had in LA, were they for more of feature film type movies or were they how how did you switch to documentary making from you know your initial interest
1: yeah so when i started film school i you know i went in like every other person that goes into film school because i'm going to be the next spielberg right oh so that's what everyone else wants to do or maybe you know who's that guy the guy that did the batman movies maybe chris nolan is the is the <laughs> popular guy but yeah. so i went in to do that kind of thing was still kind of into the feature and the narrative type storytelling. And when I left, when I ended up coming back to PBS or fast forward to PBS documentaries were more on my radar, obviously because they do a lot of documentary work. And so I was learning like the ins and outs of it still doing short films of like a narrative scripted nature. And then when I kind of went out on my own, I was meeting people, that were doing amazing things and stories that needed to be told that no one knew about. And, you know, it it was kind of funny that these people that were out doing things and their stories were much better than the stories that I was making up or my friends were making up that we were telling. And so I'm like, these stories need to be told the world doesn't need another zombie movie. You know, they should learn about this guy that was finding water in Africa with the use of an iPad that had no Wi-Fi. That's pretty amazing. Those kind of stories kind of stuck with me, and I felt that was a little more valuable of my time.
0: I love that. Yeah. And so your work with PBS sounded like it kind of helped launch your own company eventually, or you know, a little bit was the inspiration or mm-hmm. um led into it. But yeah. when you stepped out on your own, what was that like? I mean that's a that's a huge step forward.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, the funny thing is, is that I just had a kid and I was like, hey, we have a new baby. Well, you know what I should do? I should probably quit my job and start a new thing to do something silly like that. But when I did it, I was kind of, you know, doing it. I was planning things out because I since i moved to Kansas City, I was been there for, you know, eight, ten years or so. You know, I've, I found my own networks and my own connections and stuff like that. I had three different kind of production houses or whatever kind of just told me like, Hey, you know, if you, if you ever need more freelance work or whatever, like I got your back, like I will send you work. And I know, you know, I have to take that with a grain of salt, but I had three or four different companies telling me that I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. Like if one isn't doing it, like then maybe the others will do it. I will have work for me. But that first year when I went on my own, no one ever called me. That was a good time. (laughs) Yeah. So I just leave well, that as a uh, kind of like a little bit of a uh, word of warning, but not to scare people away from doing what they want to do.
0: Yes, it's yes, stepping out on your own, especially if you feel like there's a lot of support up front, sometimes doesn't pan out quite in the way that you think that it will. So, mm-hmm. but but then you meet other people and you have other clients that become attracted to you and all that. So it yeah. it works out. Yeah. But yeah, so now, okay, so you've had your own company for now. How many years?
1: Jeez, I don't know, like, over five.
0: Okay, yeah. All right, so. I, guess
1: I can just say how old my daughter is, so almost seven
0: years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Easy to remember. Okay, so seven years. So when did you start feeling like, oh, yeah, 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 I can definitely do this? I mean, obviously, you can do the work. I don't mean it like that, but being out on your own, and developing your company in addition to doing your work, which is a whole other thing.
1: Yeah. I think year 10, I'm going to be coming in my own there.
0: Okay. Fair um, enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think, I mean, a couple of years, like every, I mean, every year got, you know, was bigger and better. So first year, and the first year was like, wasn't even like an official year. Like I went on my own like in May or June and I kind of consider up to December that first year. So, like the first year was pretty much sucked. The second year was, got a little bit better and just, you know, step by step, just getting better. Making less mistakes is really the key because I made pretty much every mistake you could as a small business. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's much
1: more about the business than it is about the art when you're doing these kind of things. And that's something I never tell you.
0: (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. Yes, indeed. So, but back to your art, what are some of the moments that really stand out to you or stories that you've been able to tell that really stand out to you as like, wow, I'm so glad I got to be a part of that?
1: You know, it's tough because I don't, nothing jumps ahead of me like this, this particular story here. You know, when I worked with PBS, I guess one of the climax of the PBS was we did a story on... World War II veterans in Missouri. So we went and interviewed all the living World War II vets that lived in Missouri and told their story. So it could have been a Marine that was stormed to Iwo Jima. It could have been a, a Rosie Riveter. It could have been, you know, someone in the Navy, you know, and just kind of put all those stories together and made one documentary. So that was very cool. And that probably was one of those things that really cemented or got my eyes on documentary work, just seeing those stories and kind of put that on the radar as far as my own, own things, like nothing specifically jumps out. I just really like telling the next story. You know, one of the things like I am a filmmaker, but really I'm a storyteller. Film is just the avenue that I choose to tell stories because it's the best way to, in my mind, the best way to get a story told. But I mean, if all cameras broke, like magically broke one day, I would be the first to run around with some crayons and start drawing on things. I really don't care what medium it is, but, you know, story or video is just what is obviously out there. So that's what I'm using.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so we've been using the term documentary a lot, but when you do your filmmaking, how long are these average films that you're doing? I mean, are you doing full length documentaries mostly or are they smaller kinds of works or both or...
1: So what I'm doing, what I'm playing with a lot now is more series based. So running time wise, it might be a hundred minutes or beyond, but it's in smaller chunks. So maybe like five minute episodes or 15 or 20 minute episodes of something that, you know, is a, you know, 13 part series. And so you get to tell, like, it's almost like your own little TV series where you get to have the middle, the beginning, the middle, the end, which I find is really cool. I think the series in the shorter form is the way to go.
0: Yeah. Very cool.
1: As long, I mean, assuming that you want eyeballs on your stories. So,
0: you know. Right. And so now who is your typical client? Is it a business? Is it an individual? Is it an artist? What What do you mm-hmm. normally see?
1: So I'm attracted to kind of inspiring stories and stories that I feel are, you know, going to change the world or need to be told. And a lot of those people tend to be startups and or nonprofits. And so those are a lot of my clients. I do have some other mainstream clients, you know, because, you know, you need to pay bills. But the ones I'm really, you know, get excited about are kind of the really, in my mind, the cool stories that I feel need to be told. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, you talked about storytelling earlier, and I absolutely agree. I think you have a very particular knack for that. But then it's great because you have all the skills needed to put that into a film. Mm -hmm. But back to the storytelling aspect, I heard you speak one time about the power for a business, the power Mm -hmm. in storytelling. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. One thing. So one of the, what I was talking about then was talking about the importance of telling this, telling your story on your terms you know, you're being the steward of your own storytelling instead of letting others talk about you kind of like a word of mouth thing. Like people talk about word of mouth being very positive things, especially in business. Like that's my marketing word, my word of mouth, like everyone's talking about me, but it, as long as they're talking about you the way that you want them to be talking about you, you basically have to tell people how to broadcast you out there. And so, you know, for example, like if, if there was a restaurant where, you know, you're telling person A is telling person P, like, Hey, I went to this restaurant last night. It was awesome. It's crazy. Like the the servers, the cooks and stuff like that. They're all like ex felons or ex convicts. Like they're just at of they're just out of jail and then like, you know, they serve your food and you give them their credit card and like run around and can't come back. Like, you know, I don't know if person B is going to be very excited to go to that restaurant. They're like, right. Wait, who's my server? Because they had that image in their head. Now, if you explain it in a different way. And you kind of show what's going on. You tell their stories of like what was going on in their situations of more of the story behind where these people are and get their whys and things like that. It's, it becomes a very inspiring story. And you learn about the purpose of the entire cafe and why it was there and stuff like that. And so that gets people excited and they'll probably end up checking that out, you know, as a yeah. restaurant, for example.
0: Right. Absolutely. And it's and then when you're controlling that narrative, you're able to talk about the redemptive qualities and share the purpose and the mission and why it's so important. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Well, do you have any particular projects coming up that you're really excited about? And I'm sure you can't go super far Mm -hmm. into the nitty gritty details, but anything in particular that's really exciting you these days?
1: Well, I'm wrapping up a big one, which I'm pretty excited about. And I'm also equally excited to be wrapping it up just because I'm I'm ready to go, you know, do something else. I'm kind of in my own little flux period myself. And so my own storytelling and branding and stuff like that is going to be changing a little bit. And so, you know, hopefully hopefully that's, that's done and it's a very exciting thing. Like just thinking about those kind of things kind of excites me because I'm kind of a nitpicker type thing. And so I'll just, you know, sit there and tweak things till the end of time. So that part of the business part is kind of exciting going on. The art stuff, as far as different projects, there's a couple of things on the horizon. Just because of the, the day and age of where we are as a nation now, it's kind of transformed my business. And so just different ways to tell stories is kind of the, is the challenge and the excitement now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, really definitely having to adapt to the times. That's been a running theme amongst all the artists that I've been talking yeah. to lately, for sure. Yeah, well, so I'm curious, and I'm sure you've dealt with this before in the past, but, you know, it, traditionally or historically, the Midwest hasn't exactly been known for a lot of filmmaking opportunities, <laughs> or yeah. at least not the place that you would venture to for it. So yeah. how, how has that changed over time, and what do you see as being a good thing about being here versus say in la
1: so yeah so the thing about the good thing about being here or being in the desert or being in the mountains in montana or something like that is that the stories that you live through day in and day out that you feel are boring are stories that la can't tell And so if you are an aspiring filmmaker, for example, or something you want to, you know, you want to go do the film school thing and go do your thing and get your stories told, the best thing to do is just to go out your front door and start, turn on your camera and start telling stories. Because your unique point of view is what is going to sell you and your stories. Because everyone is telling the same exact story in Hollywood. You know, there's only like five narratives going on. And they're just being mm-hmm. told over and over and over. And everyone, everyone knows that. And you know, and at the same time, everyone loves those five stories. So every time that story is told, I'm going to go to the theater just like everybody else. But to get out there, you have to be unique. And the easiest way to be unique is to show where you live.
0: Yeah, I love that. With that, I feel like something that I've observed about your work in particular and kind of who you are as a person, it seems like you do a lot of mentoring, maybe not formally, sometimes formally. Uh, it seems like you bring interns in and help them learn sort of a lot of on-the-job training and things. But can you speak to that aspect of what you enjoy or why that's important Ooh. to you?
1: Yeah, I just feel it's important to keep the knowledge flowing sort of thing. There's some people that talk about it is your, it is your duty to like send the elevator back down sort of thing. Like if you've, after you've made it, you send other people down. I by no means of thinking of I've made it, but I do like seeing that we're fanning the flames of people being interested in any kind of creative endeavors is probably the best way to describe it. I used to try to fan the flames or throw gasoline on places where I thought there was fire and it doesn't work out very well. I'm taking a little bit of a step back, waiting for more initiative to be happened on the other side. But yeah, mentoring is important, I believe. It help. it makes you be a better artist as well, just so you understand the concepts and things. I find enjoyment in teaching things, and I, I guess I'm pretty decent at it, so I like to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And then, so sort of along with that, what kind of organizations are you personally involved in that kind of help your creative uh, side come out and also maybe sort of share and inspire others as well?
1: Yeah. So here in Kansas City, there's a number of different groups like that help filmmakers out there. I'm on the board of a couple of them. I currently happen to be the president of the Independent Filmmakers Coalition here in Kansas City. It is a 25-plus-year-old organization that's been out there making films and showing people how to make films uh, for a while. And it's a good place for a lot of people that come in. There's basically two types of people that come in. There's the person that they're finding it in their 20s or 30s, and it's a nice artistic outlet for them. And they don't want to – they're not really interested in making filmmaking, their vocation. They just want to do it for fun. There's also the younger people that come in, like they happen to find out about it and they're about to go to film school or they're deciding if they want to go to film school. and So they're trying this out and getting some stuff under their belt before they go off to another school. And then there's some people that are just there just to connect with other filmmakers. And that's where a lot of the mentoring takes place, I guess. I'm just showing people the ropes. I talk to a lot of people's parents about whether Billy should go to film school or not.
0: And one of the things that I personally have really admired about that organization is that you all are very collaborative in nature, and I think that that's really – that speaks to the strength of the organization and the people who are involved. But one particular aspect that I really like – in fact, it's how we first met – is through – and you had a great name for it, but basically artists would meet filmmakers – Obviously, we're all artists, but mm-hmm. different kinds of artists would meet, filmmakers, and those stories would be told yep. at the Kansas City Fringe Festival. Can you share more about that whole process?
1: Sure. So, and, and, and I, I, ironically, it just it kind of like 90% of those stories are documentary. So it's kind of funny that, you know, those are another one of those things that telling stories about other artists in the area, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or a dancer or tattoo artists, you know, whatever kind of artistic things that are going on. It's just, it's just good to see other art being displayed, I guess. And a lot of times those people don't have access to get their story told in that venue or that type of media. And so doing that is just, it's kind of a fun, it's just a fun little collaborative thing for all the different artists in Kansas city to uh, work together.
0: Yeah. It's a really neat opportunity. And I hope in the future that it will continue <laughs> when things get back to slightly normal because it, it is really interesting and i one of the things i've always appreciated about the fringe festival in particular is how artists are supporting each other across mediums and there's there's not like a oh you're you're a filmmaker and i'm a visual artist or you know that doesn't exist yeah. and i think that's really cool about how supportive artists are of each other okay so when you are talking to let's say a parent maybe their teen is Mm -hmm. there too. And you're, and you're trying to give some advice. What do Mm -hmm. you think is the most important thing to share with them when it comes to like, what would you tell me if I wanted to maybe pursue this?
1: So my biggest thing that I talk about now is that everyone, and this is, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, this story or this phrase before is that You know, everyone has a camera in their pocket now. And so there is no excuse. If you want to go tell a story and you want to go make a video, like there is nothing holding you back. You know, when I started, I was running around with a film camera. Well, first I was running around with like one of those VCR shoulder pack things. I went to school, ended up running around with a 16 millimeter camera and you're literally cutting film to piece it together to make your edits. And now we're talking about shooting stuff on your phone with an app and it's done in a minute there's really no excuse. And so, which is good because you're taking away all the barriers, all the technical barriers so people can go straight to creativity. And that's pretty much what technology is going to help us do in the future here. It's going to make it more and more seamless for us so we can, you know, be telling stories in a much faster and more organic way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I do have a few questions that I always like to ask my guests sure. if you're okay with that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Okay, so the first one is, how do you personally define art, or what is art to you?
1: Art is presenting whatever is in your head out to the world. It's like your mind's eye just kind of like showing it, you know, hey, this is what I'm thinking about, or this is what I'm feeling, or showing. Kind yeah, of
0: like. absolutely. Okay, and what do you think is the most important role of an artist?
1: The showing or expression of the art because it does no good for it to be in your head and in your head alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll define my terms a little bit for my final question, but do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And by inclusive, I'm referring to an artist who put something out there and they have a little bit of context behind it, whether it's a title or program notes or something, Mm -hmm. versus exclusive, meaning the artist just puts their work out into the world and then doesn't necessarily put any context behind it. So it's completely up to the viewer yeah. what to interpret.
1: So I believe that's from a film point of view, once the filmmaker is put the film out there, you know, they've told they've written their story, they've shot their story. They've edited the story. They've done everything they can possibly do to get the story told in their mind. And so it's out to the public and it is what it is. And, you know, the public can take it for whatever it is, I believe. And they can interpret it how they want. And whether that's right or wrong, like, I I think the artist really just needs to shut up and just let people think what they want to think about a certain site. And if they don't like the way it was been interpreted, well, better get better next time.
0: (laughs) About communicating exactly what you want to communicate, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well. Is there a way for people who want to follow your work or, you know, see some of what you've done? Is there a way for them to connect with you?
1: Right now, I think Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And that is KC Filmmaker and Alchemy Film Co. is the uh, web address for that.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here today, Alden. I really appreciate it. It was fun to hear your journey and how it's kind of morphed and changed over time. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time. I hope,
1: I hope uh, it was entertaining.
0: (laughs) Very. (laughs) All right. Well, and thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am, I would love if you would share it with a friend or two and we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been Artfully Told. Hey, Artfully Told listeners. I'm excited to share with you about Audible. As a podcast listener yourself, you already know how great it is to listen to something while you're driving or doing dishes or whatever it is. Audible has thousands of titles of audiobooks as well as podcasts and other cool things, and they're offering a free audiobook to Artfully Told listeners when you sign up for a free trial membership. You'll have 30 days to decide if Audible is right for you, and you can cancel at any time without being charged and still keep your free audiobook. Sign up for your free trial and audiobook at www.audibletrial.com slash artfullytold. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash Artfully Told. Thanks, Artfully Told listeners.